Typically, when you pick up a stone and, and here in New York, you probably see a little, a few worms or maybe some of these little gray um, roly-poly type of uh, bugs. I'm not even sure what they, they're called, but uh, uh, yeah, roly-poly bugs, whatever they are. And, uh, but, but I'm always very careful when I pick up a stone. I never know, you never know what's going to be under it. And uh, when I lived in central Florida and spent lots of times in swamps of North Carolina and South Carolina, I just didn't pick up rocks. <laughs> I just left them uh, where they were. I remember one time we were running through uh, doing an obstacle course at Cherry Point, and I was running with the troops. I was being the chaplain. I was just being out there with the troops, and we were going through this obstacle course, and I ran down this trail, and there was one of the biggest snakes I'd ever seen all coiled up. wasn't under a rock, but it made me think, never pick up a rock when you don't know what's under it. Well, this morning, every road leads somewhere, and this is, is kind of like the, the, the bringing things together uh, in, when, when it comes to the message and when it comes to the series. And, 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 and I'd entitle this, When It's Over, It's Not Really Over. Let me just kind of give us a recap over the last few, uh, last few weeks. Now, the kids are in here with us today primarily because every, uh, uh, most of the time they're downstairs at, in children's church, but once a, once, a, once a month, when we have communion, we bring them up here, okay? Now, so we, here's my thought. I recognize that, that children don't always like to sit still. That's, that's fine. We do the best we can. But this is a family. This is a family. And uh, we're going to do our best, we can, the best that we can with our family. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's probably, I, I know in, in, a, in a day and age, a very, very limited attention spans because everything's visual. It's always visual. And so someone always has to be entertained. It's not a bad thing to, uh, to teach. And during the teaching process, teaching our children to sit and things, it's uncomfortable for them. And we're going to do our best to, to not make it too uncomfortable for them. It's, we have the air conditioning running today. They have, uh, they've had delightful music. They've got a comfortable place to sit and uh, a pastor that won't preach an hour. <laughs> so here we go. Now, now, we're all on a life's journey, and this is all a part. Every road leads somewhere, right? We're all on a, on, on, on a life journey, cradle to grave. The decisions that we make, uh, the turns that we take on this journey, determine the scenery in our lives, right? Determines the scenery, the th- things that fulfill our days, the kind of people we associate with, and eventually a particular destination. All roads don't lead to the same destination in the same way that all of life's choices don't pr- produce uh, the same things, or the things that we intended. In life here, if you work hard, now I believe this, in life here, if you work hard, you, you choose to gain a skill or choose to get an education, it's more likely that life will be better for you than if you don't do these things. Any guarantees aside, you're more likely to have a harvest if you busy yourself planting good seeds. That's true in all aspects of life. Spiritual life, physical life, all of these things. One of the things that I find when I look in the Scripture and I understand the big picture of God is that He has, uh, he, his, his, how He operates 
in all of, all, of, all, of, uh, all, of, all of life and all of the life that was produced in the world, there are some semblances. There are some things that, are, that remain true. And one of the things I like a lot, I, I think, is because I, I love to see things grow. I'm not a great farmer person, but I like to see things grow. Um, the rain recently has been really good for the, for the farms, unless you have a low spot and things are probably rotting. But, but we like to see things grow. And, but it always starts with a willingness to plant a seed, right? A willingness to plant a seed and to wait and expect God to produce the results. God always pr- produ- produces the results. The seeds that we sow in our lives, whether they are, uh, whether they are in, there are some good seeds that we can sow. Do the right things, follow God, listen to, listen to godly counsel of your parents. Uh, you know, usually that produces good stuff in our lives, almost every time. And so, uh, as, as, as we look at this, this whole idea about every road leads somewhere, we're all on a road. We're all traveling from point A to point B. Now, I'm a little further along the road than some of you here, Okay? And interestingly enough, I've taken, some, I've taken some wrong turns along the way, okay? Fortunately, through the grace of God and His presence, His power, He, he has brought me back on the right road on, uh, time and time again. And fortunately, some of those detours that I've taken haven't ended in, in like catechismic uh, results that were horrible, Jesus said it this way. When we talk about the right path, and that's really what I'm talking about here, I understand we're all on different roads uh, in terms of some things in our life, but there is one road that we all need to be on, and it's the path that Christ, that Christ would reveal to us here in the Scriptures. Matthew 7, and, and, and Jesus said it this way. He said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow, narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, this is only kind of a set up passage here. And we can kind of spend some time on this. And let me, let me do that just for a moment or two because we have plenty of time today. Okay? Uh, you know, lunch isn't until 12 or after. Okay? But, but Jesus recognized in all of humanity, there were many options that people follow. Probably the biggest option and the biggest path that most people follow is the, is the option of, of, self, of self-governance. What I mean by that is the Scripture tells us that there, there, have been, there were periods in, in, the, in the, the lives of the Israelites, of the people of Israel, where every man did what was right in his own eyes. We're pretty good with that, aren't we? We're pretty good with that. In fact, we even have political systems that, that, that kind of like in, in, encourage that. Okay? Everyone who, every, every man who did what was right in his own eyes. Quite frankly, many Christians pretty much do that too. People who call themselves believers, who have at some point in time in their life has, have said, I'm going to follow Jesus, or they gave their life to Christ. But when it came down to, to, to difficult things where the Holy Spirit was saying, or the Word of God and the Holy Spirit was saying, okay, do it this way, live your life this way, forgive your brother their sins, 
or, or one thing, uh, uh, date the right person, marry the right person, those kinds of things that the Scripture speaks very plainly to, we chose to do it our way. So, again, one of the biggest, one of the, the biggest challenges that, that, we, that, that we have as human beings is simply submitting to God and His, His way. When the Scripture says, enter, this, this passage of Scripture says, enter through the narrow gate, for, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I would like to marry that with a passage of Scripture where Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the gate. Now, that's simple enough, isn't it? Later on, we find in, in, in similar passages that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Okay? Now, uh, I remember, I remember uh, years ago, I was in a, in, a, in a seminary, and we had a visiting professor from Africa, and I, I just, you know, I was just a, a young student, and, and, and the more he talked, the more I thought, you know, this guy's out of, out of his mind. He's not following Scripture. And here he was, the, the, the professor, and he was talking, and, and, and I finally kind of like, you know, I'm not sure what I'm hearing here, so I raised my hand. I says, do you mean to tell me, this is what you're telling me, that when Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except by me, he said that that was a lie, that Jesus really didn't mean that? He said, and he looked at me like, wow, the student finally got it. The truth is, there is a lot of, there's a lot of pressure out there. Uh, there's a lot of pressure in the world out there, and there's a lot of messages, and they, 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 it flies under the flag of tolerance that says, all dogs go to heaven. Okay? And I say it tongue-in-cheek that way. That's kind of like a line from a Disney film. But, uh, in other words, there are many ways to get to God. And Jesus is not the only one. I mean, that's really out there. And if you don't, if you, in other words, people believe that. Uh, obviously, I don't. But that's, that's prevalent within the culture. That somehow, if you kind of like pick, uh, choose uh, to follow what Jesus said when he said, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, that somehow you're intolerant of people. The truth is, Jesus was exclusive, very exclusive. Now, when you're telling people the truth, it's going to be pretty narrow and confined, isn't it? If it's the truth. There are many ways. There are many ways. And uh, let, let's, in this series, I've spoken to you about things like the characteristics of the choices that we've had. And what to expect if you follow, you might say you walk in the way or you follow the way of the world and you re- reject Christ. I mean, there are, there are stories, there are biblical stories we can talk about, like the prodigal son and some of the others, the rich young ruler, and, and, and some of the other things that are like, the, like the, 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 the personal train wrecks that you can see in Scripture. The truth is, you don't even have to go to Scripture to see those. Uh, you and I can, uh, as we live and we walk in this world, we can look to the left and look to the right and see people that we know and care about who are making train wrecks of their lives. 
following, in a sense, their own nose and rejecting, uh, rejecting the Word of God, rejecting God, rejecting what Jesus has done and said for them. Okay? And it's, it's, someone said, well, you're judging them. No, all we have to do is observe. We don't want it that way. We recognize if God is true, and he, speaks, and he speaks this word to us, he says, I'm the way. He meant it. He's the way. Okay? I, uh, in, 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 in the previous passage, in the previous uh, uh, messages, I talked about the characteristics of the choices that we have, what to expect if we follow the way of the world, rejecting Christ. I've also talked about what a godly life looks like. And I recognize that some, some passages of Scripture, like Proverbs 31, really sets the bar high. That's why I read Proverbs 32. <laughs> and you say, where's that at, Pastor? Well, it was, it was simply a, a compilation of passages of Scripture that, 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 that brings the men up a little short, right? Okay? But we get the picture that, that, that there is a picture of godliness. There is a picture that, that when you and I follow Christ, some things begin to happen. It's called the fruit of, of God's presence and God's spirit. Long-suffering, peace, joy, uh, all of these things that we find in Galatians 5. And throughout Scripture, that when we decide to follow Jesus, when we decide to go His route, some things begin to happen in us that we might not have even anticipated. I remember uh, when I, you know, I was just a, uh, in, you, I hope you don't get tired of hearing my stories. I only have so many. You know, I've, we, I've been here 13 and a half years, and so I, I'm retreading some things, okay? And so, uh, essentially, I remember... As a young Marine, I, I was just tired of living in sin. And, and someone uh, presented to me the gospel, and I said, sign me up. I've tried all these other things, and they're not working. And so, and so I, I prayed, and I asked Christ to come into my life. And, I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. No one prepped me. No one told me, no one prepped me and told me that certain things were going to happen. I just made a decision to follow God. I didn't know about the sense and the power, the pre- power and the presence of God. I didn't know that, that, that there was something called joy unspeakable and full of glory. I didn't know that there was anything called the peace of God that passes all understanding. I didn't know about these things. Yet I began to experience them. Oh, within, within 12 hours. And I, mean, I remember that night. I mean, the next, you know, I went to work that day. And all of a sudden, whoa! something's changed, something's happened inside of me, okay? It was God, it was the Holy Spirit. I wasn't doing this stuff. I was, I, all of a sudden, I was real sensitive to sin and the things that I was, I was still saying things that I shouldn't have been saying, thinking things that I sh- shouldn't have be, been thinking. Anybody still doing I, I, you know, every once in a while, right? But, but when those things came, there was this, an awareness that I'd never had before called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learned now. So I, have, I, I can theologically define what's, what's taken place in my experience. Okay? And this is simply true. And so, what does a godly look like, uh, life look like? It doesn't, it, honestly, it doesn't look perfect. From, the, from, the, from some people's perspective, uh, perspective of purpose. Perfect. It, it looks like someone who's humble, 
but, and, and the fruit of God is, is, is blossoms in their life over here. God's working here. And, you know, it's just the fruit is good. The fruit is good. You know, do you know most of the time Christians live longer too? Yeah, really. I mean, my father gave his heart to Christ in 1975, I think it was. Up until that time, you know, he was, he was, a, he was a heavy smoker. Uh, I mean, he wasn't a heavy smoker, but he was a smoker and he drank a lot. And, and, uh, and when you do those kind of things, you, you don't do other things that you should. And I just, the, the guy's 84 and keeps, keep, you know, it's like he keeps going. You know, he gave his heart to the Lord. It had he been, remained on that, you might say, that, that glide path that he was on, you know, my hunch is, and we don't know for sure, my hunch is, is that he wouldn't have lived this long. Life is longer, life is better, and a godly life uh, has those kind of fruits. Now, we also looked at some of the things which connect us to Jesus and help us to flourish. I, I talked about some of those things yesterday, last week. When, when we talked about when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, Right? And we, I kind of un, unpacked that for you. We didn't do, a, didn't do a whole lot of it. Tonight, we're going to meet back here at 6. We're going to worship. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit more about some of the things that you and I can intentionally do to follow Jesus. And, and, and you might say, invoke. Can, can we say that? Invoke the presence and the power of God in our lives. I'll unpack that tonight at 6, so don't miss that. So I, I did touch on that last week. But today I want to talk about when it's over, it's not over. Okay? Let me just give you a, a quick passage of Scripture. Then I'm going to give you the overview of, 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 the, of the chapter. It's John 11, and I'll take you to verses 25 and verses 26. And, uh, and, but remember, this is in the context. I will give you the context in a moment. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, he was, this was, the context was a, a conversation that he was having. Even I believe it was either with Mary or Martha, but it really doesn't matter that much. Essentially, what was taking place here in the 11th chapter, uh, John is just full of good stuff. The Gospel of John is full of good stuff. Uh, it's all the I am passages where God reveals not only who he is, but what he does. I mean, that's, that's what the I am passages are about. I am the bread of life. Okay, what does that mean? I mean, uh, and, and, and all of these things, he feeds us, he gives us strength, he sustains us, okay? I'm the, I'm the living waters, okay? A, a, a similar kinds of pictures are, are, are presented to us there. But here... He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, you'll never die. And he, and he said, incredible stuff. Now, now you've got you've to understand these two passages who are spoken in the midst of a funeral. Okay? Talk about pressing your faith. Testing your faith. It seems that, that Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they were close friends with Jesus. This is one of my favorite passages. If you, if you go to funerals where I, 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 I'll often talk about this passage. But we need to understand in the context of a life journey. And where, you know, as, as we make decisions, the kinds of decisions that we make and how we live will, will, will ultimately have, have uh, 
you might say, bring together the results of a destination. In other words, we're going to end up somewhere. And it's going to be because of the decisions we made. Okay? Now, recognize, I'm not, I'm not going to say that God isn't a part of it. Of course He is. The Holy Spirit leads us. He guides us. He draws us. I mean, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't be a Christian except God drew me first. Okay? I mean, I didn't know, he, know Him from a rock. The Holy Spirit is always there striving with men and women. And so, in the context of this passage where Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection of life, <coughs> Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, okay? They were friends of Jesus. They lived very near Jerusalem. And as Jesus and his disciples would go back and forth, if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus kind of traveled all over, preaching, teaching, healing, and doing miracles, and, and, and creating this kind of, uh, this picture for, the, for, for Israel that their Messiah had come, okay? And so... Jesus and his disciples often stayed with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were close. I mean, I believe it was Mary that, that Jesus pushed seven demons out of. Something like that, okay? So they were pretty intimate as far as friends, friends were. And so here we have these people. Lazarus died, okay? But the word came to Jesus. Jesus was in Galilee, which was a number of days walk away. He says, look, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus had just been to Jerusalem. And it just so happened that during that, that, that stay there, that they, were, they had tried to kill him. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the time, uh, the, the ministry had created such a hubbub that they wanted to kill him. So he's down in Gal- Galilee when he gets the word that Lazarus is sick. And his, and his friends, his disciples, Thomas, and said, don't do it, don't go, don't go. They're trying to kill you. He said, I'm going to go. I believe it was Thomas who said, oh, we're going to go and die with him. Why not? It's Thomas. I probably would have been thinking it if it had been me. I'd probably been thinking it. And so he goes back, and as he, as he gets close to the village where Mary and Martha were, one of the sisters came out. They both had this similar kind of conversations. I believe it was Martha. She came out and she met Jesus on the way. And her first words were this. This is amazing, okay? This tells you she's not happy with Jesus. She is not happy with Jesus. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Later on, Mary said exactly the same thing. Now, I don't know if they had huddled in the home and and had this conversation, but they were ticked with Jesus, because they had seen him healed, heal people. They had seen him do incredible miracles. Perhaps they were even with him when they, he stopped the funeral bear and said and, and, and gave that boy back to his mom. Maybe they were there then. I don't know, but you know they had heard of it. And they're saying, why not us? Why didn't you come when we called? Yeah? You ever feel that way about God? Something happened in your life? I mean, and, and is, I mean, a, a horrible situation. You know, recently we're 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 seeing where. You know, it's, it's summertime. People are in the water, and people are drowning. Right? We're losing people. We, uh, Pastor Juan tells me about a young seventeen-year-old, who uh, who who drowned yesterday at Lake Erie, and of course his family's crushed. Family's crushed. And. At times like that, 
We're apt to say, okay, God, where are you? Where are you? You ever been there? I have. Where are you? And that's where, that's where Mary and Martha were. In the context of this situation, Jesus spoke these words, I'm the resurrection and life. He who believes me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And, they, and the response was, yeah, we believe in the resurrection. At the end of, at the, end of, of the age, we, we understand that, 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 you're, that, that, that God's going to come and the dead in Christ will rise. I mean, they, some, some kind of a response like this. At the end of the age, we understand, we believe that. And, in, and also in the context of this, he said to her, if you can believe, you will see the glory of God. Take me to the tomb, he said. So as they, as they traveled down to where they had laid, Lazarus, could he be, he'd been dead several days. They put him in a, in a tomb and rolled the stone. Okay, here comes the rock thing, okay? You never know what's behind the rock. Or under the rock. <laughs> he said, okay, roll the stone away. I believe it was Martha said, Jesus, he's been in the tomb X number of days. He probably doesn't smell good. And he says, did, did I not tell you if you would, 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 would believe in me and trust in me, you would see the glory of God? And so what would, roll the stone away. Okay. The teacher wants, it's all on him. I'm sure that the disciples were backing away from Jesus. I'm guessing here. I don't know. I don't know. doesn't say. He prayed a simple prayer. They rolled the stone away. He prayed a simple prayer. And he said, Lazarus, come on out. Yelled it. And Lazarus comes hopping out all wrapped up like a mummy, like they typically did. They picked that, that up, by the way, while they were in Egypt, that kind of embalming methods. So he comes out, he says, cut him loose, let him go. Now, we recognize that Lazarus isn't with us today. That was not an eternal kind of resurrection. Jesus didn't intend it to be. The healings that we receive, as, as wonderful as they are, they're not eternal. Lazarus went ahead and died. But here was the point, here was the picture that Jesus was saying. That when it's over, in this world it's not over. Okay? The road, in the, when, when I talk to you about following Jesus, when he says, I'm the gate, and when he says, enter the narrow gate, for wide is the, 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 the gate and, and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and a lot of people find that. But narrow is the, the way that leads to life, and few be there that find it. Jesus is the way. I recognize we're being, uh, at this, this day and time, we're being, there's, there's a, you might say, we're being bombarded in, in spiritual ways through, 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 uh, through, through, through the media and through, uh, you might say, the world around us. And uh, essentially the message is, is, is what I had mentioned earlier, there are many ways to God, and don't be such an intolerant person. And if you're ignorant, if you don't read the Word of God, 
Now, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm not talking about people who, who aren't Christians. You know, if you're not a Christian, you know, there's, there's an open door for you. God, and, and a journey, to, a new journey to begin. There are a lot of people who go by the name of Christians who are simply anemic when it comes to the Word of God. They just don't know what God says. And so they, in truth, they take their, their cues from the world and call it Christian. And they take this whole concept of love, okay? God is love. Whew. Now we can make it mean whatever we think love is. Okay? Interesting. But the Scripture itself defines love. And see, here we have this whole thing of, for God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. What do you say? You mean love? Went ahead and made a sacrifice for you? How can a loving God kill his, uh, have his own son, allow his own son to be executed? Okay? That's, that's real thin theology talking there. You just don't know. A believer. When it's over, it's not over. Now, Here's the part where it gets a little bit, because I don't think I've, I've been here 13 and a half years. I don't ever think I've ever preached a sermon on hell. You know? And I'm probably amiss in that because Jesus talked about hell. He talked about heaven. He talked about hell. Okay? And uh, I recognize this is, you know, when I start talking about these kind of things, it's not a, a Joel Osteen moment. Okay? You know, and, and, I, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, guys. I mean, I, I don't know about all the ministries, but, but I understand that these are not the kind of things that we necessarily want to hear about, but we need to hear about them, okay? We need to hear about heaven, we need to hear about hell, and we need to understand that every road has a destination. And the question is, is what road are we on? Okay? And as pastor, you know, I'm not... If... I know many, we have visitors here, and, and, but many of you know me that I love you. And I want the best for you. And the best is not always saying, oh, it's, so, it's just, it's, can I do this, Valley? Oh, it's, so, it's all better. <laughs> Sometimes we need to know, the, do we need to know the truth? Yes. We need to know the truth. You know, it, when we come on that day, and you're on the other side and you're looking at, at Pastor Blair and says, you never told me about this. You need to know. Not because, it, because it's a concoction of Brother, Brother Blair, Pastor Blair's mind, but it's, it's here in the Word. Now, let's talk about life in heaven. Uh, when it's over, it's not over. Okay? There's an eternity. There's a resurrection. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of life, and he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's talking about dying. But we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, we know that, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So that which is corruptible shall be put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. In First John he says, And this is the promise that he promised us, even eternal life. 
In 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Then which we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. John, the fifth chapter, he says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which, that, in which all that are in the graves shall be, hear his voice. They'll hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Sombering, sobering stuff. There, uh, in Revelation, the seventh chapter, 15 through 17, therefore, they, uh, they, therefore are they before the throne and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall, shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and he shall lead them unto living, into living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away tears from their eyes. I could read more. One passage I remember, it's an Old Testament passage, he says, and the lion will lay down with the lamb. Neither will they ever hurt anymore on my holy mountain. See, you get a picture of eternal life. You know, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm thinking there's golf courses there too, right? Okay? And beautiful trees and, and hilly lands and stuff like that. And let me, let me share an anecdotal thing. And it's very anecdotal, but it, 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 it connects there. Every once in a while, God will pull the curtain back and let us see. Right? Every once in a while, God will pull the curtain back. And I was thinking about a, a, a friend of mine named Bruce. And he was dying. And... Uh, he was in home in 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 his uh, in his uh, in hospice care, and uh, and he shared with his wife and said, "Every once in a while, I see my father, my grandfather." And he see, he said, "I point," and he pointed over into the one edge of the the room, and uh, and he keeps bidding me to come. And it's this green grassy knoll. Now this is anecdotal, but it it connects. And his wife said to him, Honey, next time go ahead and go with him when he comes. That, that's quite, a, uh, quite a, a power of release there, you know? Sometimes we hang on for the people around us, right? And she happened to be cleaning in the room, and she looked over and saw him reach up into that corner of the room and was gone. Just like that. I know that's anecdotal, but you won't. You <laughs> God has given us a hope. God has given us a hope in the resurrection. We're not hallucinating here. And Jesus, to prove it, he reached in and said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came. Just to let them know that, his prom- that he was good to his promises. That he could do it. And let me let me let me just share briefly about hell and death. Maybe I should have reversed this. Because the scripture talks about it. Revelation 20 says, If any man anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
Revelation 20 goes on and says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. In Matthew 13, 13th chapter, verse 50, talks about, it talks about one of the aspects of, of hell. He says, And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Second Thessalonians says, They will suffer, from, suffer the punishment of eternal, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. There's way more there. I'm looking at it. It's an interesting. Even Daniel says it this way. Daniel 12th chapter, verse 2, he says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Here's a good one. If, it, if any of this could be good, it says, In Revelation, the 20th chapter, it says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they, where they will be tormented day and night. In Mark, the ninth chapter, it says, Where their worm does not die, nor is the, and the fire is not quenched. Jude, the first chapter, says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued a natural desire, serve it as, as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Could I say this? What, I, what, I, what I've read to you, and, I, and there, are, there are many more passages there. I, um, I believe in the resurrection. I don't believe in Walt Disney's version of it. I just don't. And some, would, some might say, well, well, why would God, a loving God, put, you know, send, send, send people to that, that fiery, eternal place? Don't you know that the scripture tells us this? That before Jesus came, we were all under the curse and sin. The scripture, the scripture is very clear that the soul that sins must die. That the wages of sin is death. That was God's law. That's how, that was a harsh law. It was a tough law. We couldn't, we couldn't step over that. So what did God do? He sent his own son to satisfy the law. He sent Jesus, and he took, him, took upon himself the cross. What did we have this morning? Communion represent, represented the sacrifice of the Lamb. The Scripture tells us this, that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. In other words, something has to die. So God came and died for you and for me. He said, for God so loved the world, what's it say? That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Folks, you and I, you and I, you and I find ourselves in, in a difficult place when we simply reject God's gate and God's path. Does that make sense? God has done everything that He can for you but He will not force you to follow Him. He sent His Son. He died for you so that all you have to do is believe and trust in Christ and follow Him. 
you'll have an everlasting life. I know uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's unpopular to talk about hell. It's almost like someone said, oh, pastor, you enjoy that. No, that's, that's lunacy. It's lunacy to think that, that, that we would be somehow associated with those, those crazy people who, who picket, who picket uh, uh, funerals. It's nuts. God loves His people. God has sacrificed for, for you and for me. And He bids us come. The Scripture's real clear unless you want to turn the Scripture into something other than, than the Word of God. He says, follow me. Come to me. And I will give you life. Believe and trust in me. If you can believe and trust in me, you will see the glory of God. It's about accepting and embracing Jesus. It's it's about accepting and embracing God's plan and not your own or the plan of this one or the plan of that one. I didn't come up with this plan. These are not my words. This is God's word. What path, what road are you walking on? When it's over, it's not over. Eternity is for everyone, those who trust in Him and those who do not. We're eternal creatures. Did you know that? You've been created in the image of God and you're eternal. God has made, made, made a way for us that we would live with Him in eternity. And I've read to, to you some of, the, some, of the, some, of the, uh, some of the characteristics of that. It, it's going to be good. It's not only going to be good there, but if you, if you decide to follow Jesus, there are good things all along the way. The path that He, that he would have you and me walk.